You know when you go on a date and you ask your friends for advice on what to do or say or how to be? Usually the response is, just be yourself. But telling someone to be themselves is like telling someone on camera to act natural and now you become uncomfortably aware of your hands. However, this is my segue, being yourself is actually great and it is the best thing you can bring to the table because each of us are unique and dare I say magnificent, but how can we actually know ourselves? I wanted to talk to an artist about this because I believe most artists have a sensitivity to the things unseen and maybe they can help us approach this question in a different way. So today, we're talking to Makoto Fujimara, a leading contemporary artist whose process-driven, refractive, slow art has been described by David Brooks of the New York Times as a small rebellion against the quickening of time. His paintings have been featured in notable galleries around the world. He is also the author of Art and Faith, The Theology of Making. Originally, this conversation began with asking Makoto how we can access our spiritual life, but quickly we learn how deeply tied our spiritual life is with knowing ourselves. I hope you enjoy the conversation. It's so hard to know yourself well and and to be accountable um, and and to be honest with yourself. You know, we have all all these filters that we, you know, out of self-defense, really. Um, I reached out to you knowing, you know, a bit of your background with art and faith. And I do, mm-hmm. it's something you say in your book as well. I do feel like artists kind of have a, they have a different awareness or perspective mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. Uh, just like, I guess, the material world. I don't know. Maybe that's too lofty of language, but it's just in like your day-to-day yeah. life. Sure. And so, um, you know, part of, I guess, my podcast and kind of, you know, the message that we're trying to, I'm trying to put out is really um, true wellness, which Part of it is just balancing a lot of different areas of your life. That's not just your physical aspect or, you know, career or financial, but it's also your spiritual uh, Mm -hmm. life as well. And Mm -hmm. what I was hoping we can dive into is maybe if you can kind of guide a novice, um, you know, someone who maybe not doesn't have a Christian background or any sort of religious background, but they want to get in touch with the spiritual world. Like, how do we even do that? Yeah, wow, that's a great question. I love that question. Um, and in in some ways, what I have done and dedicated my art to, and even my life uh, to, is is um, way uh, creating a portal um, mm-hmm. through which anybody, you know, um, whether you're religious or not, can find find a way peek into behind the veil um and to see that there is meaning embedded in the, in the world but you know it's somewhat um hidden by many things uh one is certainly uh desire to um have our ego <laughs> drive the, yeah. that journey and uh, you know we can't see what is really happening because we're blinded by our own 
misconceptions of ourselves and the world. Um, mm. And it's, it's not just people that we have trouble with, but it's it's ourselves, you know. Can you talk and, a little bit more about that misconception with ourselves? Yeah, so, you know, these thoughts come at you when you're creating um, because it, when you are making anything, um, you know, it could be art, it could be theater, it could be dance, or it could be omelets, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you, you're you really um, dealing with reality. Um, but I, I often, you know, distinguish reality and reality with a capital R. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, there's something intrinsic in all that we do if we love anything and if we endeavor to understand something well, we, we have to begin to love the world and in a, uh, in a sense of, um, beholding it well, mm-hmm. uh, you know, first before we, attempt to make anything. So in my case, I, I, I'm here in my studio, uh, kind of bathed in the sun, uh, afternoon sun, and um, I'm mixing minerals that are, that has been pulverized uh, by Japanese artisans, and I'm, I'm mixing them with hide glue. But, you know, for, first of all, I this is what I have done for the last 30 years, and therefore, there's a certain kind of somatic knowledge that I have um, that allows me to love what I do, right? Mm-hmm. Love making these pigments work right. on the surface and layering over and over, uh, sometimes over a hundred layers and to just begin the project, you know? So, yeah. yeah, so you slow down enough and you begin to, and and that kind of layered knowledge is something that we don't realize we need in, mm-hmm. in, in life. And, you know, introspectively, when you think about like, what your life is about, you don't have many opportunities to look at yourself that way mm-hmm. or to see yourself being loved or being uh, beheld by, you know, wh- wh- whether it be um, your loved ones or your family, your community, um, you know, or in in uh, in terms of uh, this reality outside of reality with a capital R, you know, that that is... Um, bias towards um, us making something out of love right so so what i mean is like no matter what your backgrounds are religious background cultural background we have a common uh uh, desire to be known by Mm -hmm. the other but what gets in the way is really that we don't know ourselves (laughs) you know we don't know what's going on internally that blinds us from uh, being able to know others. And so art is fundamentally for me, a way to filter that out and, and to create a um, a portal through which people can, uh, through their senses, gaze into something that bypasses, you know, all of that mechanism that we built up, self-defense mechanism that we build up, um, that gets in the way of seeing. And by doing so, I believe that it's it's a portal, it's a step into understanding yourself better. 
Right. But it sounds like for you, you had a connection with art as young as you can remember. And obviously you fell in love with art and there was just some sort of connection there. So for you, like what, what was, I guess, what's, what was the process for you to get to know yourself through, I mean, art was your medium, but I'm sure you also had to kind of get to know yourself and break all that down. Like, what did that look like for you? That's that's a great question, and and I you're absolutely right. You, you know, they, I I talk to any creative artist or uh, really anybody. They, they we all have something that we grew up uh, knowing how to love, right? So there's that first love, uh, whether it be you know the first time you sang and somebody responded, or you wrote a poem and then you know you, um, somebody said this is this is beautiful. Or, um, and and then as as we grow older, you know, some of us are very fortunate that w- we can stay with what we love and and make that a profession. But but that that's a different conversation because that that requires kind of entrepreneurial skills to make that work. Mm-hmm. And 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 um, you know, I, I can talk all day about that. But but you know, laying that aside, I think you're right that. Um, that first love doesn't often translate into uh, embedded, um, you know, liturgy of our lives or embedded sense of um, how we move into the world and uh, and and also sustainably, you know, how how to make a living, uh, continuing to love what we do. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, my wife Hejin is a lawyer, and she she discovered that. In, so in these, different from an artist. <laughs> so different from an artist, but but I, you know, I tell you, we have these conversations because yeah. for her, she went into this high power law office as a graduate from law school and discovered that, you know, there are many lawyers who go into that profession with that first love, you know, mm-hmm. wanting to defend somebody or being an advocate or seeking justice, yeah. mm-hmm. and you lose that very quickly in in, mm-hmm. in the industry, and and the companies, law firms are not set up to cultivate that, right? So now she has, you know, created her own law office. She calls it Estuary because it, it's a it's many like five companies that we co-founded together, but you know it, it's many things that come together, including art, mm-hmm. that makes, you know, so the her goal is anybody who works there, lawyers that she works with, mm-hmm. will want to work there to learn to love what they do once again. Right? Mm-hmm. And and so we talk about this as, as a way of, uh, you know, not only uh, relationship, um, you know, connecting with each other, but but also in terms of thinking about all of us, you know, uh, trying to endeavor to make a difference in in, in our lives with, through our occupations or whatever we're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, we, we've sort of been alienated from the first love, right? Mm-hmm. And how to recover that is, is an essential conversation uh which i i gather you're trying to cultivate um it, it's an essential conversation that um that not many places you you can have this kind of a conversation yeah. and 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 so when you, when you think about that you know you you have to kind of dial back and say why is that mm. right we we spend so much time at workplace we have spent so much time even 
thinking about you know goals establishing you know new year's resolution and, mm-hmm. and blah 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 mm-hmm. and and yet we uh at the end of the year you know we might be like looking back and say well you know where did that all go or you know what am i doing mm-hmm. uh even even you know especially if you're successful yeah. right one of the first things that i had to learn was when I'm successful, let's say in you know, whatever the success metrics are, you know, whether it be showing in a New York gallery and let's say one painting sells that, you know, five people want, immediately you go into that loop of survival mode and you say to yourself, you know, well, the gallery is asking you to paint that one painting over and over, right? Because it's successful. Then, then, there is an entrapment there, right? That that would not allow me to go back to my first love. You know, mm-hmm. why did I paint? I, I painted because I love to paint. You know, I I'm not a machine to produce one painting over and sure. over. Sure. Right? So the same kind of pressure will will come. You know, uh, let's say if your podcast is successful, you know, like, uh, and then you analyze why an audience wants this, an audience mm-hmm. wants that, yeah. and and then you kind of cater to that only. You know, there's nothing wrong with you sure, know doing sure. you know um, studies on on that, but but at the end of the day, you have to really think about what is it that you love to yeah. do. And how do you cultivate that, challenge yourself to stay within that? Mm-hmm. Because the marketplace is not driven by that. It, it's driven by other mechanisms, driven by, you know, um, the ego and, you know, whatever the mm-hmm. metrics that we use in the world. And and so, so many times success can get in the way. I mean, for you, how do you keep yourself centered? Because art is also an extremely competitive space. So I imagine you're probably always toggling between those two things as well. So like, how do you always keep yourself centered? Yeah, I always tell young, younger artists, you know, if I, you know, if they ask me that question, I, I say, you know, real success is if you get to define what success is. Right. Don't let other people define that, mm-hmm. you know, whether it be institutions, powers, you know, art world, whatever, mm-hmm. um, you know, those things are not only nebulous, but they, they are, they're toxic because they're, they're driven by things that you can't control, uh, you know, but you can control um your own definition of success right, right and and being able to get back to your first love and say well this is why i am this you know and and i because i started here i want to grow in 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 that area um and that's that's really the key now but it's really easy to get you know, off track. And mm-hmm. I think what we need in life are mentors and uh, people we are accountable to mm-hmm. that that stay in that zone together, right? So yeah. we, we, you know, we keep that first love alive, first of all, and we ask ourselves, you know, each other, like, um, you know, what have you done this month? What is what is your goal this month to keep that alive despite the pressure to do other things to survive, right. you know? And and oftentimes, you know, what we think is survival and necessity for survival turns out to be really distractions because we 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 didn't really harness all that there is to harness um of what uniquely we're given to do. Mm. So it, you have to have 
honest people around you who love you and who say to you, uh, you you're doing this, but it doesn't make it seem to make sense. It's not aligned to you know what what you told me you 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 want to you know your goal to mm. cultivate that love, right? So so that at that point you know you kind of like have have to listen to that and and make hard decisions even though that may be tempting to do or that may you know we may have rational reasons why um you know that objective is pragmatic mm-hmm. right <laughs> you know you, you have all these things that you know you, you might you might say to yourself um because ultimately what i found over the years is self um you know my heart is so difficult to understand like my own desires are so difficult to manage (laughs) you know what i mean and and without family without accountability community friendships deep friendships that last a long time so they can really tell you what like why they see what they see um we we often get off rail because you know we can't do that by just by ourselves can you speak a little bit more about that? Like your, the difficulty yeah. to understand yourself, because I feel like culturally today, there's this such a message of like, you know, don't care about what anyone else thinks. And it's it's right. very individualistic, right. but I feel like what you're saying is like, you need external touch points too, to kind of reflect yeah. back who you are as well. So yeah. can you explain yeah. a little bit more? About yeah, that? yeah, no, this is great. Um, I've been thinking about this a lot and, um, you know, the ego thing and also self um we self-delusion in a sense that that we don't really it's so hard to know yourself well and and to be accountable um and and to be honest with yourself you know we have all all these filters that we you know out of self-defense really um and you're right that society and culture says you know, you're on your own and you 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 can create your identity and you 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 know you you have freedom, so-called freedom, but it doesn't tell you that that freedom depends on really understanding, taking a hard look at yourself in the mirror and and saying, you know, what what your limitations are and what you are not gifted to do. Mm. You know, I mean it's a, it's like one thing, you know, to go go to any kind of schooling and say oh you you you're great at this you're great at that it's let's work on this it's another to say you're really horrible at this mm-hmm. <laughs> and 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 take that as a blessing you know and yeah, say, yeah. say say oh okay that's good um because then i can focus on what i am good at you know that's what i call slice of expression that's been given to you uniquely that other people you you may find it like second nature, like you, you don't even question it because you can do it um, in a way so naturally that that you you, you know you 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 can do it in your sleep basically. Right. Mm-hmm. But to other people, it's like your superpower, you know. Mm-hmm. And and it, it takes a while to harness that. That like it takes discipline and hard work to harness that to to a place where um, you know you can master that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, a lot of times we, I think we, you know, this YouTube culture or whatever, you know, we get instant fame and, you know, all these followers saying, this is great, you know, and, 
And and the problem with that is that the more successful you are, the the less you um, are able to stay in your zone. Mm. Right. More so. About that. Yeah, so so the the fame thing is very deceptive because it's not like those people who follow you on Twitter or whatever loves you, right? I mean, you you know that, right? We know that. Um, And when it comes at the end of the day, it's only the relationships that have been formed, rooted deeply, rooted in love, that's going to change you. Mm. So all these pseudo relationships that we have out there, right? The, the, the more successful you are, the more you have these. Um, they are really not very helpful at all. Like in, in fact, they are probably you know toxic, right? In, mm. in terms of your growth, I mean, there's nothing wrong with having thousands of photos, and mm. but you know that that can be if that's your you know, you wake up in the morning and say, oh, I, I have this, I want more. That is not a good motivation to mm-hmm. ask yourself, like, why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. Right. At the end of the day. So if you have, if you go down to where you started with zero followers, is, does that mean you're any less of a person, you know, uh, your worth it has, is dependent yeah. on you know, you know what the, I mean? The challenge with that, though, is, and this is kind of a little bit of the challenge I have doing my podcast, which is, you know, yeah. I, I started my podcast two years ago and it's slow growing. And, mm-hmm. you know, I actually really love doing the podcast. I love talking to people. And, you know, I, I do ask myself, I'm like, well, if my followership or listenership isn't growing, is it worth doing? Because mm-hmm. a lot of the purpose of producing something like this is for others to experience and like if it's not being experienced by others like what's Mm -hmm. the point yeah but but you can grow in numbers or you can grow deeper right so if you have 10 listeners that is so committed to you that would support what you do um you know and i i I do mean like even financially Mm. support what you do because they value your uniqueness in that space, mm. you I much rather have that ten people than ten thousand people who could care less about mm-hmm. you know they're they're just taking they're they're consumers they're taking what you do and they think they're benefiting but really it, it's not enduring it's it's like flashy little signposts uh, you know and and then you you listen to podcasts you get motivated you do mm-hmm. something and you say oh this is great you know mm-hmm. tell your friends that that's not going to last anyways right mm-hmm. and and so i feel like you know i i would much rather um have someone develop that the, the, you know maybe maybe 10 15 20 uh, deep-rooted followers that really understands who you are and the uniqueness of your calling, and and then allow you to 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 do hard you know assessments, which means sometimes you you really need time off, right? The the problem with this cycle of dependency on followers is is that that doesn't give you time to grow. Yeah. Right. And it's a constant demand to produce, produce, and you're never producing anything of quality because it's so rapid. Yeah. So, yeah. So the more successful you are, the more demand to to produce faster. And, you know, you, you will cut down on your, 
both thinking time, preparation time, and right. your production time um, to in order to keep up with the demand. Mm. And and it's it's kind of this uh, you know mechanism that that um, many people fall into, um, mm. you know, because because fame fame is very toxic. First of all, celebrity culture proves that. You know, nobody, uh, a friend of mine said once, you know, everybody wants to be Princess Diana. And mm. and and nobody, you know, everybody wants to be Princess Diana or Mother Teresa. To be Princess Diana is very, very, you know, like <laughs> difficult, impossible, yeah. right? But everybody wants to be her. Right. But to be Mother Teresa, it's easy. All you have to do is give up your life, move to India, go to Cal- the poorest areas and live there and love people. Mm-hmm. That's anybody can do that. Right, right. But no one does that. Why? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I don't know. Person. Why do you think that is? <laughs> <laughs> well, because I think, again, we, we don't, we are afraid of, first of all, losing ourselves in, in, in loving others. Um, we, we are, we think that our worth depends on, you know, our, our status, whatever we have um, gained in in the world, we 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 you know the world like 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 the consumer mentality is like more and more and more right. So so the more you you have, the more happy you're supposed to get. But it's mm-hmm. the opposite, right? So you know, somebody like Mother Teresa discovered that. It's not about her happiness, anyways, right? <laughs> so, so, but, but even if it was, she had, you know, decided that spending time with the poor, giving herself to them, is more fulfilling. It gives her more meaning, which is the greatest capital that you know we don't, uh, you know, ever get to own. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's something that is grace given to you, right. um, you know, and. It's like the sun, sunlight. I mean, what did I do to deserve this beautiful light? Mm. Well, I, I haven't done nothing, actually. Mm. But I, I, I can respond by uh, with gratitude and 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 you know and and spending time here, uh, not only appreciating it but being able to paint with it, right? To, to yeah. see better, right? And so it, it's like that. And and I think many times we don't ask the fundamental question of what makes us fundamentally happy what is the you know understanding of what true wealth is you know and mother teresa is known for spending time with the poor but is it it did she discover a fountain of wealth by giving up all that we we are seeking after right Right. i mean i think a lot of people admire mother teresa even including myself but you know, I would never want that life. Yeah. You know, it's hard. Um, yeah. It's hard. And you have and, to be called to it. Yeah. Right. I, I'm curious to know though, um, you know, so much of where you're speaking from is, you know, obviously from your, a place of your faith and a lot mm-hmm. of your work and your art. And so much of our conversation, even right now is, you know, just kind of getting to know yourself. Um, yeah. you know, in the book early on, you do, you do mention that like you came to Christian Christianity later in your life and it was a drip mm-hmm. by drip process. Yeah. I'm yeah. curious to know, do you remember what you were, you were seeking that Christianity maybe filled mm-hmm. or touched? Like where were you yeah. in that place before your faith? Yeah. So I call my conversion in inversion because 
I, I, I felt looking back, um, whenever I made anything, um, but particularly painting, I was experiencing God, uh, God's spirit flowing through me. And I knew I couldn't own that or it was just coming through me. I was a vehicle of this flow of energy that was rushing through me. Is it because it was inexplainable or? Yeah, it was, it was like uh, as a five-year-old, I experienced this and I thought everybody had this experience, you know, Mm -hmm. and it turns out like, you know, if you speak to, (laughs) yeah, you speak to people in middle school, your friends in middle school, they look at you like, you're like, what are you talking about? I'm just trying to color here. (laughs) Yeah. So I learned to shut up and keep that to myself. And, and, you know, in college, I, I was like, I have to do something about this because I've looked everywhere for that kind of experience and it's only in the studio that I have that you know and and so I I learned to stay there um you know and and make necessary sacrifices or decisions it wasn't really a sacrifice but it's just decisions to stay in the studio and once I started to harness whatever it was that I was experiencing what happened was when I when I read the Psalms and you know uh, read the Gospels, especially the words of Jesus, that experience in the studio perfectly aligned, like corresponded with with, with the voice of Christ. Um, the, 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 I mean, this was an upside down kingdom. This was something that we don't see unless we are able to let go of certain things. Right. And and but the, the beauty of it is that when you are making something that that gives you a bias, uh, in a sense, uh, you know, that that act of making opens a portal through which you get to experience this deeper. And and uh, for me, it was so obvious that, um, you know, even though I didn't grow up in a religious family, mm. I I, I, you know, I realized that I, I had to know deeper this voice. And what, what was that voice telling you? Well, the, the voice was saying, you know, uh, do not be anxious about what you eat or wear or, you know, and, and consider the lilies of the field, look at the birds of the air, you know, mm-hmm. seek first God's kingdom. Mm-hmm. And all these things will be added onto you. And, and it was like completely, I, I, I never heard a person say so directly that my identity, you know, that I can create for myself or whatever I can discover for myself will like, you have to lose your life to find it. Right. That, that's what Jesus said. And, and I, I was like, that's really hard. Yeah. Right. That's like the hardest thing I can do as an artist, especially. Mm-hmm. But it made sense to me because I knew that this flow wasn't mine, right? I didn't own it. It didn't come from me. It wasn't like self-expression coming out of my ego. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, so this guy understands this, like, like so clear, <laughs> like what mm-hmm. he's saying. Mm-hmm. And and I was like, and and I read Isaiah, right, which Jesus loved to read too. And you know, and then and then there are all these passages about how this prophet of old has, you know, discovered like he is not holy enough to hear God's voice. He knows it. He he he's you know damned in front of the sacred 
and and yet God's grace extends even to that person. And I know that journey too, you know, and, and I know I don't, I'm not worthy. And yet the grace is extended. And, and when I realized that voice was speaking to me, you know, uh, it, it doesn't matter what other people said, it, you know, uh, or what I thought of myself. But that that was more authentic than than this uh, wrestling that, I, you know, I was able to come up with on my own. Mm. I, you know, I feel like, you know, post COVID and quarantine, we kind of yeah. have this collision of almost those two maybe yeah. feelings or ideas, because yeah. I think quarantine yeah. really opened up a lot of people's yes. eyes to that. Yes. There is more to life than just working yes. and just being on the hamster wheel. And at the same time, there's that realization, but now, you know, we're already kind of going back into our rhythm and it's hard because the world is so much louder than that, you know, you're not, you know, you're more than this, you know, and I'm curious, you know, I would love to hear maybe your perspective on, you know, someone like me who just works nine to five, you know, I work as an IT project manager and you just like go to work, come home and you go about your day and you're not really having a spiritual moment. Like how do we tap into that world more? Yeah. um, My wife and I, we we launched uh, Academy Kintsugi on September 11th, 2021 because- Because we felt that was the best way to counter the traumas of our days. Mm-hmm. And um, also to answer your question directly, like we need or we all know we need to slow down. And but how do you do it? Right. Mm-hmm. And now I get to do it in the studio here uh, because of years spent mastering this technique. And then, you know, because it's slow art and you have to slow down and, and so forth. But, you know, I'm thinking like, well, I, I'm finding that even if I show in the best gallery in New York or museums, people are not ready to experience a work of art um, because, mm-hmm. you know, they they kind of have a checklist, right? Well, this this is Starry Night of Van Gogh, you know, I, I saw it, you know, and, and you didn't really see it. Right. <laughs> it it's just like you check that you know box but but you didn't really experience it so how so, do you know if you experience it because i would say i saw it too but <laughs> yeah so you experience it when when that uh, one painting becomes generative in your life um when when only you can interpret what you're experiencing mm-hmm. and and yet it's 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 not a um convergence or you know one one that narrows into one reality but it, it's like it creates a multiverse you know <laughs> all of a sudden like it, it opens up mm. and Rothko's Van Gogh's you know great art will always do that it, it's yeah. always in every generation the new audience obviously looking at it and they come away from it with new kind of interpretation new kind of life from it mm-hmm. And that's that's why art is enduring, and film, anything like that, you know, it it, it really depends on what you you know what you're like built to receive. It could be music, it could be art, um, but we don't have an opportunity to cultivate our attentiveness and a way to behold something well. 
And so kintsugi is this venerable art, art form, Japanese art form of mending broken ceramics with Japan lacquer and gold. Mm-hmm. It turns out that it, it's a common language between Korea and Japan. So, mm-hmm. so it, it's more complicated than what I just said. But mm-hmm. kintsugi is a Japanese term. Kim means gold and tsugi means to mend or to connect. And, and um, so this, what we discovered is that, you know, you may have something chipped in your cupboard, you know, that maybe, maybe a beloved object, the more you use it, the more likely that it will, it will be damaged. But that's an entry point in into your soul, right? You, you love something, you kept something, you know, a broken toy that, that, you know, you grew up with. You can't throw it away because there's something about it that's deeply meaningful to you. Well, you bring that to academic Kintsugi experience. And, you know, what we do is in three hours, you go through the basic steps of authentic Kintsugi method, uh, authentic, but not you know, using traditional urushi, which is made of poison sumac. So that, that takes a year to dry. So so we, we kind of made it possible in three hours, you get to experience the basic somatic experience. Mm-hmm. And then when, when you come away from that is, is, is the sense, you know, and I, I had a professor at a university tell me, I don't think I ever sat down for three hours and did nothing. You know, like he said, did nothing. He was doing Kintsugi, but and what he meant was he wasn't looking at his calendar. He wasn't like answering phones, mm. and he said it was so heating for him. <laughs> like mm. he, he just he just found that alone. You know, even without talking about the object that he was mm. working on, that experience alone made me realize how much he longed for that. So he went on a sabbatical oh, wow. because he realized something. You know, and and so that kind of thing keeps happening every experience we we have done we have you know we have like 25 certified instructors now so they're all over the world and there's one in europe and you know they're providing these slowing down experience of reconnecting and and you know we always think it's it's more like playing playing with play-doh rather than doing this high you know uh craft um and and we get to be kids again in a sense to reconnect with our first loves um perhaps you know a pause to or even just just silence you know that doesn't necessarily have meaning you know yeah and and that allows a person to reconnect as you're saying uh quarantine time has given us something to work with but we 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 really don't know what to do with that now that you know the time has passed and you know who knows what would happen in the future but you know i felt like the quarantine time was was really a gift for us to reassess and and push that pause button and as as painful and as as we grieve over lives lost you know those are part of of the invitation that we have to again, look at ourselves and say, what am I here for? You know, and you know what, how do I really discover who I really am? Right. I think there is, I think our cultural culture is really starving for that. And we just Mm -hmm. don't know how to access it Mm -hmm. without going to a church or going to a temple. Mm -hmm. Um, But uh, I mean, I, I struggle with myself to, 
to access that too, you know? Um, well, I mean, sometimes the church and synagogue, those are the, not the places, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Like I, I'm, I'm, I'm a Christian. I go to, you know, I've been church planting and leader. In the, I, I don't find that kind of space in, in the yeah. church, except in contemplative churches where you get to just sit and sit in the liturgy and, you know, just silently, you know, be, be able to examine yourself and, um, and, you know, great worship, you know, uh, you know, mega church phenomenon and all that is, is great, but that's not where you find yourself, you know, and, and that, that is part of the issue here is that whatever we think faith is today, it is not able to allow us to access the deepest realms of, of our souls. Yeah. And, and so, you know, the church has to understand that and change, um, you know, the way we do things, but, but also, you know, are there kind of gifts that we have been given through cultures that is already doing that work? And I, I was think that art, music, theater, you know, um, drama, all these things, you know, uh, can be a way, a portal uh, for us to slow down, to listen, to learn, to, you know, to understand something, you know, a friend of mine said to understand something, you have to be willing to stand under it. Mm. (laughs) If you stand over it, that's overstanding. That's not Uh, understanding. mm -hmm. (laughs) So where do you, where do you go to I love what you said about the deep realms of your soul. Like, where do you yeah. go to get in touch with that? I mean, you know, yeah. maybe you're not necessarily finding it in a church or to continually be inspired to produce artwork. Where do you go? What do you do? Well, I, I think I what I love is, you know, through Kintsugi, we, we've been discovering ourselves, you know, just being able to slow down. We're going to have this session at Google headquarters tomorrow. And, mm. and, and we've been just brainstorming on so how do you slow those people down right what an interesting place to do that <laughs> i know and, and i i i it'll be a challenge right we'll yeah. learn something and we'll we'll figure out like certain things that may or may not work but those are the questions right we and and it's interesting because why are we a google because an executive there realized that that's the missing link, right? To between innovation and and technology. Like like we we are so in rush to fix something all the time that we've forgotten that in, innovation happens in between, right? The the cracks and and in order for that uh, to you know that we we have to be able to stand back a little bit and and slow down. But we don't have a mechanism to do that. We don't have a cultural language to do that. So, so we end up being, you know, um, just, just, you know, every year just catching up with ourselves. Mm-hmm. But, but you know, so, so that that's a that's a question in itself. But um, you know, I I feel like okay, so we all have need and hunger for that, um, and I think certainly making is. Is a way to slow down, whether it be cooking or gardening or, uh, you know, creating communities or volunteering, um, you know, all those things help us to get out of ourselves, right? Mm-hmm. And and the, the, the more the, you know, the technology fills in the gap of what used to be manual labor, right? Mm-hmm. Um, 
the more hunger we have for manual labor. <laughs> like, you know, I, I, I feel like, you know, younger generation is like hungering for like doing woodworking and making bread and making, you know. Yes, uh, people are making, uh, like everyone is making bread in quarantine. I was like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, and we realize how hard it is, you yeah. know, that it's not easy. And, and um, you know, if you think about, everything from making flour, you know, and, and we, we're, we're basically American flour is like, you know, so, so bad. It's hurting our bodies. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to process. And, and so like, should we go back to like farming and, and, and then we realize how hard farming is you know, <laughs> to, to, to grow a single tomato, you know, it takes like hours and hours of failures, you know? Yeah. And, and so all those things, I think are good things to pause and consider because even though, you know, we're talking about AI and machine learning and deep learning and all that is happening around us. And we're maybe some of us are afraid of, mm. you know, automation and all that, but, but that also gives us, um, you know, so, so if you're, if the future is like, we don't have to drive, right. That Like all the cars will be automated, right. It's safer and so forth. Then what do you do in the back of the car? You know, mm-hmm. like, do you use that time to consume something, or do you use that that time to make something? Mm-hmm. Right, and and so to me, that's the question we have to answer. You know, and and um, so education, like, you know, all like we went through. I, I don't know about you, but you know, we went through like like get trying to get the highest SAT scores. Well, now it's like pattern machines, pat- right. pattern matching machines can do that for us. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like, why do you take SATs and why do you take exams when, right. you know, memorization is no longer necessary? Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. what kind of education should we be talking about that allows us to really implement collaboration and, and risk taking and innovation and, you know, creative thinking, right? Yeah. That happens just like in the studio or in the theater group or you know, the, those are the skills that we need for the future because we're going to have all these opportunities to harness the technology to work for us, you know, yeah. and and hopefully not against us, but work yeah. for us. And, and then what do you do with the time that, that's been given to us? Right. You know, in the book, you talk about, um, like, I think a lot of the Christian message is about making things better, kind of so much of what we're talking about right now. You're talking, we're talking about innovation yeah. and how to make things yeah. better. But yeah. you know, I, it was very intriguing what you said, which was like, you know, we're not here to like fix things. It's not just like everything is broken right. and we're fixing it. Right. You're, it's a, like a co-creation. Can you talk yeah. a little bit more yeah. about that yeah, idea? I'd love to. Yeah. No, I'd love to. And it's a very biblical idea, but I think it has huge ramifications in culture making, right? And for anybody. And and so given that when we make something, a new world opens up. You know, all artists believe this. Like like true art is something that continues to open up new worlds, you know? And um, uh, so, okay, so, uh, you know, whether the source of that is, you know, what the Bible says is the creator God or the Holy Spirit or not. If, you, if you're not sure about that, that's fine, because just just do it and discover for yourself that actually when you plant something right with your bare hands, 
it makes you happier. <laughs> it's been proven that some some enzyme kicks kicks in, and we're, we're just more at peace with ourselves and with the world. Um, and so something new opens up when we do something toward the future. And human beings are the only species that I know that can actually say that about ourselves. Like we can actually believe that and say, today I'm going to wake up and do something, create beauty or, you know, give mercy, hopefully both. And those things don't make sense in a survival of the fittest sense, you know, sense, right? Because mm. they slow us down. Mm. They they are extravagant. They are not useful mm. <laughs> for survival. Mm. But just try it. See what happens. Like, are we better off slowing down, stopping, saying a kind word to a child that needs it, you know, to, to help? Uh, those who cannot help themselves in some way to create beautiful things, you know, and and see how see how we do, you know, like like ourselves, our community, our friendships, uh, you know, what if we had like cohort groups that meet up every every month in a coffee shop and says, "What are you making?" Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> and mm-hmm. and how and if it's difficult, ask for help. Like mm-hmm. you know, I'm trying to do this and. And and I I don't know how to do this, you know, and somebody else says, oh, I know how to do that. Oh, I know somebody mm-hmm. who knows how to do that. Let me connect you, right? right? And all of a sudden, you have a group that every 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 day, really thinking about how to be generative, rather than being stuck in in wherever we are. And you know, we we may be struggling with something. We may be in a dark place. Um, we may have health issues, and yet something is ongoing that continues to give us life right and mm-hmm. and that whatever that is and i find that people who are struggling the most who are able to rise above that and to create something new is it, absolutely inspiring to me right because i'm not suffering in the way that this friend is suffering mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and yet she continues to make every day make make make, make. She, she's a painter as well as a you know a, a, a spoken word artist but and and to me that allows me to come into my studio and you know uh, for me first of all filled with gratitude but but also to connect with my friend, right? Mm. As I am making that, this is a common journey that we're on together. Mm. And mm. as you're making, I'm making, I'm gonna send you what I'm making, right? And even though, you know, your friend may be quarantined, cannot get out because immunocompromised you situation, you, you're absolutely connected, right? Through that. And, and you're able to make something new because you both believe you know, uh, that somehow by getting up in the morning and endeavoring to make something new into the world, that that opens up a portal that we can't even fathom right now what, what that would do, whether it be in the future, somebody picks that up, you know, looks at it, get inspired and create something of their own, or as I believe that it's part of new creation, period, mm. that, that it's opening up a door that you know, creator God has allowed us this privilege and authority 
to stamp into this creation that is a portal to the next. So unless I do that, you know, God doesn't act because, mm. you know, God wants me as a child to make that sandcastle, you know, that, yeah, that yeah. gets washed in the beach. In the but, beach, yeah. you know, God, the architect is able to take that and create some a real building out of it. You know, mm. there's there's this line in your book. I'm going to just read it because when I read this book, it's 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 what it's what you're talking about right now. That just like yeah. punched me in my gut when I read it. Yeah. Says God's purposefulness is not aligned with our notion of day to day pragmatic purpose. God did not build us as survival machines that would function like clockwork. We are creatures of magnificence and imagination made in the image of God. And I feel like yeah. kind of what you're talking about that portal yeah. is to access yeah. that experience of magnificence. And yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, I think I think kind of in our conversation, what I hear you saying, I think one way to just start having that experience of it is maybe just having like slowing down, whether it's like a yeah. cooking, because that's another yeah. thing. Americans yeah. hate to cook. They're like fast microwave. It's just like, <laughs> no one wants to take the time to, right. you know, make the sauce and make yeah. the pasta or whatever, because it takes so much yeah. time, but maybe yeah. that's part of what we need to do to kind of, yeah, you know, get back in touch with that side of ourselves. Yeah. And you know, you can get together with your friends and do that. Right. Yeah. Like we, we don't have to know how to do it. And, um, you know, maybe even struggle with, make me you know making a sauce you know oh, soup yeah. or something but but it's actually like it's amazing because if you make a soup and if you make it with a friend yeah then you want to invite other friends yeah. to, you know like that they taste it and, and and you know maybe you can improve it with, with that's the most i see i love to cook and part of the reason why i actually do love to cook is it's one of the few activities I can do. And I just get, I get lost in it. I don't think yeah. about anything else. I'm just cooking. Yeah. And then of right. course the best part of cooking is to share it with yeah. someone else. But then there's yeah. that terrifying moment when everyone <laughs> takes a bite. It's like, Oh my God, I hope it's good. <laughs> exactly. And yeah. you, know, you, can, you can have common failure experiences yeah. and laugh about it, you know, Definitely. And, and, but that's so healthy, right. Mm -hmm. That when, when we are able to, Literally, that it's been proven that a meal, you know, uh, made in love, mm -hmm. you know, rather than just mechan mechanistically made or, you know, worse yet, you know, somebody makes it hating the person, you know, mm -hmm. is 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 nutritiously, you know, more nutritious because mm -hmm. you you somehow there's magic to to yeah. relationships and love that it goes into. You know, so grandma's kimchi, you know, is it's so much tastes so much better than yeah. something. Even though you follow fact. the exact same yeah. recipe, yeah. it always still tastes better when she makes it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Well, just to wrap things up, um, I'd yeah. love to ask you. I ask every guest who's on this question, uh, what would you tell your younger self? Yeah, um, I would definitely tell my younger self um to trust more, uh, relax and, um, and enjoy what you're doing. Um, you, you may think that, you know, situation is dire and, mm. um, and you don't have much to offer the world. Um, but that sense of, you know, challenge, right. That sense of even pushing yourself against your own limitations is exactly what 
you're supposed to be going through so that you can grow deeper roots. And it takes time to do that. And it takes intentionality. Um, uh, and, uh, and, and always, you know, journey with people who share in that value because we, uh, we can't do it alone. You know? mm. yeah. Well, thank you so much for your time. <laughs> You're welcome. Thank you for listening. To support us, please write us a review. It really helps boost the podcast visibility and it provides me with insight on what you like or what you don't like. So I would love to hear from you guys. Thank you again for listening.